We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there. My name is Ricky Smith, and I'm the founder of Random Acts of Kindness Everywhere. A nonprofit that simply does exactly what it says promote kindness everywhere. We know the world is crazy right now. If you are searching for a podcast that has a deeper conversation about race, my co host Angel Gray and I will be discussing everything going on right now on our podcast, Random X of Podcast on Blue Wire Podcast Network. To find out more, go to rakenow.org. Enjoy the show. What's up, guys? This is the Uncontested Podcast, covering the Oklahoma City Thunder. This podcast is ran by Jacob, Nick, Justin, Taylor, and Kamiar. Listen to future episodes on your favorite podcast streaming service, like iTunes or Spotify. And don't forget to leave a five-star rating. This is Lou Dort. You're listening to the Uncontested What is up? Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. We are part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, and I'm your host for the evening, Jacob Niffin. Today, just two-man show, I have Nick Crane along with me. Just an old two-man show here. The it's old, yeah, the old, uh, I don't know, I was trying to think of something clever to say there. I don't got anything. Two men, one microphone. That's, uh, yes, I'm big fan of uh, two men, one microphone. <laughs> So, uh, Nick, how are things in uh, down in the Big D? Getting real hot. We're going to hit 100 this week on Tuesday. So let's hope the AC does its job and I don't wake up sweating every morning. Yeah, it's, uh, it's starting to hit summer, man. It's I mean, I enjoy summer, but God damn, it, just, it gets so hot. And here in Oklahoma, I don't know what it's been like down in Dallas, but here in Oklahoma, it's been so humid recently that it's like you go outside just stand there and you just start like dripping sweat it's gross yeah we uh i forget where i was going the other day we walked from my house to like the grocery store or something like maybe three blocks down the street and i was drenched just from yeah walking for 10 minutes it sucks but here in oklahoma at least in oklahoma city i think tuesday and wednesday evening are supposed to be pretty cool so it's a good day to to bust out the bike and and go for a ride i'm ready and by very, bike very jealous I mean, like, regular bike i don't like own a motorcycle or anything. <laughs> although right. i got pretty upset the other day uh my my fiance doesn't listen to this so i can tell this story we took our bikes out to this trail at the lake and it's like a 13 mile trail and we were gonna bike the thing and it was like a beautiful day it was a little warm but it was a beautiful day um and at, you know there's like no cars or anything so it's nice and quiet and just this this really nice bike ride and we made it to the five mile mark and she started not feeling good uh, like dehydrated and nauseous. She was like, I can't go anymore. And then, so instead of getting finished the ride, I had to turn around and then book it the five miles back. Like the, the five miles we had already rid, ridden, right. road, ridden road, whichever one, um, which going the five miles like forward, a lot of it was downhill. So oh. going back, it was all uphill. 
and it it sucked it kicked my ass jeez well it's uh it's good exercise i can tell you right now my uh quarantine pounds are are piling on as we speak i've done pretty well i've kept it pretty even so i'm pretty happy although i just had uh just had some brahms ice cream so yeah i had sushi for an early dinner a sandwich for a late dinner i'm I'm just (laughs) like a hobbit (laughs) i'm just doing it all oh man all right well nick before we dive too deep into basketball talk today uh big announcement from the uncontested super excited to finally announce this we this has been in the works for a couple of weeks now we've already put a whole lot of background work into it But starting this week on Wednesday morning and continuing all the way up until the return to play on July 31st in the league, we are starting a weekly series called Under the Bubble, alluding to the quarantine bubble that the NBA will be playing in in Disney World. We are looking at all 22 teams that are returning to play NBA basketball and breaking them down. Uh, previewing them, reviewing what their season has been so far, looking forward to what their season might end up as whenever we're in Orlando. And we're going to have different guests on each week to talk about their teams. So we're having podcast hosts, bloggers, writers, etc. We've already recorded a handful of interviews, a lot more incoming. So every Wednesday, make sure to check your podcast feeds for the uncontested Under the, Under the Bubble series. Each week, we'll cover three teams leading all the way up to July 31st. So we're really trying to help you guys reacquaint and get ready for NBA basketball once more. Yeah, if you're anything like me, it, earlier in the year when the season was going, you could say, you know, who's the third string small forward on team X and I could just rattle it off. Now I'm forgetting. I got to really think hard. Like who, who is this guy play for now? Was he traded at the deadline? Like where's he going to be playing whenever uh, basketball resumes? It's, it's going to be good to refresh ourselves before we dive into basketball again. Definitely. Like Nick, did you remember that the Los Angeles Clippers have signed Joe Kim Noah? I, until you said that, I totally forgot about that. I was, I was, uh, catching up with a buddy before the podcast. We went and got a drink at a, a rooftop place here in Dallas. And we were talking about the Clippers and their depth and, uh, didn't even realize that Joe Kim Noah was on the team because yeah, it's they been so dang a, long. Yeah. They signed him to a 10, 10 day. Um, and, and the 10 day hadn't run out by the time that we had to put the league on hiatus. But I saw a tweet about it today and I was like, well, no shit. Yeah. They signed Joe Kim Noah, right? Like, that's just, there's so many things that, like, little things, you know, that I don't really remember. Um, so, a lot of our conversations with these people uh, are going to be just catching you guys back up on all the teams in the league. So, whenever tip off happens on July 31st, you know exactly what to expect, what teams are doing what, what direction they're trending. I'm really excited about it. We're going to get to talk to a lot of cool people. So make sure that you are subscribed to the Uncontested Podcast. And these episodes will drop every Wednesday morning from now until July 31st. Yeah, tons of uh, repeat guests, tons of new guests. I I think that everybody that listens will be uh, very happy with who we've reached out to and got set up to interview for all these different teams. Yeah, it's going to be really fun. So... All right, well, with all that being said, Nick, let's dive into some actual basketball talk. We've got a few things to cover tonight. First being, earlier today on Sunday, Sam Presti had a, I guess it was a Zoom call interview with the media where he talked about a handful of things. You've actually already got your piece up on Forbes about some of the stuff he talked about, but I wanted to touch on really the what seemed to be the three biggest themes of his meeting with the media today. The first one, he really dove into kind of the I'm going I'm calling it the state of America and just kind of what's going on in our country right now. And Sam had uh, a handful of quotes that I think were were pretty important and profound um just talking about what we can do as a community, uh, how we are like the important thing of being a human is what you're willing to give up to allow others to to flourish or allow others to receive equal treatment. He had this quote about listening, uh, being the listener to somebody who is talking in reference to like 
people like you and I listening to uh, people of color in this country. Um, I can't remember exactly what that quote was. Do you have it off the top of your head, Nick? I don't have it, but the Thunder released uh, the entire quote on on their website today, so you can go pull that up yourself. And and I definitely encourage you to do that. You know, we all know Presti's a super smart guy, and and definitely has his head on straight. And I think taking the time to read that can definitely put some things in perspective and and help you to you know, kind of navigate this going forward. And, and one of the things he, he talked about was um, kind of the things he's done over the past couple of weeks to educate himself and, and really try to understand the situation. I think that's super important and uh, definitely worth a read. All right. And yeah, I, I just found the quote, so I just want to read it real quick. He said, of course we have to listen, but the goal of listening is not to soothe the listener. It's to equip the listener to act and to lift those up that are doing the speaking. In this case, our black community. It's a, it's a pretty profound quote. I think some people would describe that as woke, but it's a pretty profound quote. And Sam Presti has always been very eloquent with his words, kind of like you said, Nick. And as just as far as a person who is a fan of basketball, uh, I enjoy knowing that the team that I like to watch uh, has leadership like Sam Presti on it, leadership like Chris Paul on it. 100%. It's uh it, it's good to know that you've got good players, good, you know, front office folks, but they've also got the the off the court stuff figured out as well. Yeah, definitely. So, so with that being said, let's move on cuz I think you and I will be probably be a little bit better at breaking down the actual basketball talk. Uh first being and this is what you wrote about Presty talked about Lou Dort, um his contract, his availability down in Orlando. Uh, kind of what they see from Lou moving forward. And as everybody knows who listens to this podcast for any length of time, we are like Lou Dort stands. We, the Lou Tang clan, baby. It's been a while. But so, Nick, will you just kind of break down what he talked about with Lou Dort and how you interpreted those quotes? Yeah, so it's been a, a really interesting topic over the past couple of weeks. You know, Lou Dort is on a two-way contract, meaning A, he can't play in the playoffs, and B, um, he's got a, a, a number of days he can be with the team before that contract actually expires. So it's an interesting situation that we've never been in before. These two-way contracts have only been around since 2017. And obviously, this is the first time that we've had a situation where the season resumes after being paused and we only take a certain amount of teams to a bubble like Orlando. So the, the conversation came up of, you know, what do we do with these guys? Um, do we... Um, kind of come out with a, a provision to the rules where they can play playoffs, you know, based on the circumstances. Like, what what exactly do we do? And and Presty basically said, we're still awaiting some clarity on that. There's conversations taking place between the players and the association. Um, plenty of time before leaving for Orlando, but it sounds like, you know, obviously if if it's a situation where he can't play without being signed to a full-time contract. I think both you and I would agree there's no doubt he would be signed to a contract, but there may be a situation where um, some exceptions are made. Maybe he can play all eight games, even if he doesn't have eight days of service left on his contract. So the league's still trying to figure that out. Obviously, the players and their agents um, would like those guys to get full-time contracts, but it sounds like all those conversations are being had. We've got a lot of clarity on how the season will resume, but there's still a lot of kinks to be figured out. So I expect over the next couple of weeks for something to come out on that a little bit further. And at that point, we'll know, you know, hey, Lou Dort's going to be getting signed to a full-time contract or there's some exception being made. But are you with me, Jacob, on the fact that Presti's made it pretty clear that Lou Dort is going to be part of this team in Orlando, no question at all, regardless of the circumstances. Yeah, I mean, as long as the, like you said, as long as the rules allow it. And I I don't think they're just going to say two-way players can't play. Like, they, we're not going to make an exception and you can't sign them. I think at worst, they would say if you want to sign your two-way players to a contract, you can. Um, and, and the Thunder still have an open roster spot to do that. But, I mean, not only do I think Lou Dort is going to be in Orlando with this team, I think he's going to continue to start. That's what my expectation would be. That's what I am kind of basing all my thought around moving forward. And not only from his comments today do I think they want him down in Orlando and they want him playing, I think they want him on the team next year and the year after and kind of with the rest of these young guys to see how he develops. Yeah, and, and he's a unique two-way player as well. And again, 
these two-way contracts have only been around since 2017, but he is by far um, the the most starts under his belt for a two-way player ever. Not to mention, as a starter in 21 games this season, the Thunder have had a record of 15 and six. Um, he he's just not your regular two-way guy. So I think yeah. the Thunder are in a, a especially unique situation. You know, a team like um, the Wizards. You know. I, top to bottom of their roster. I'm not sure if they have a two-way guy that they're super concerned about coming to Orlando with them. Um, they, they probably won't make the playoffs anyways, but the Thunder are one of the teams that whatever they come up with on this are going to be very highly affected because he's a, like like you said, I think he'll be a, a starter as well. I don't think there's any reason Ferguson would come back into the starting lineup and and it's, it's a starter that's kind of on stake here with everything that's going to happen. Definitely. That's what you basically said what I was thinking is, you know, if it comes down to like a vote amongst teams or something, there are some teams that aren't really going to care about the two-way contracts being converted or whatever, where for the Thunder, it's a really important thing. Um, I know like Brooklyn has a two-way guy that they were playing as their backup point guard for a while since Kyrie's been out. For them, it's going to be a pretty important thing. But for other teams, it won't be. And so it's kind of interesting, although we have heard a lot about teams wanting to bring extra players, uh, either allowing a full 15-man roster to be active instead of have, having to have two inactives and 13 active players, just because I think there's a lot of worry, number one, about COVID, but number two, about, you know, we've basically gone through an off season. And then now as we start to ramp back up and they start to play, there's worry about a guy pulling a hamstring, rolling an ankle, a soft tissue injury because we're ramping back up kind of quickly. And so they want to make sure that they have players available to them in case somebody gets hurt. And so I think at the end of the day, something is going to happen with these two-way players and they're going to be allowed to be on the roster down in Orlando. And But like you said, for the Thunder, it's more important than it is for the Houston Rockets and the Los Angeles Clippers and the Los Angeles Lakers and other teams. You know, it matters more for OKC because they have more skin in the game here. Yeah, and I mean, Lou Dort is, from what we've seen, a a great defender on the perimeter. He's going to be huge in the playoffs guarding, you know, whoever opposing team's best guard is. And and that kind of brings us into our next topic that Presti talked about and Andre Robertson whether he comes back or not, I don't think he'll be 100%. I still think Lou Dort will be the guy that's being asked to guard um, you know, the other team's best score as long as they're a guard or, or a forward or a small forward. What do you think about his comments on Andre Robertson kind of taking a step back? I think that after you know media day, we, we take his quotes with a grain of salt, and he talked back in April on um, a Colorado interview with with catching up with the family where they interview some former Colorado athletes he said you know basically there's a light at the end of the tunnel um I'm staying patient through it all the the medical staff's looking into it and I should be playing honestly in his opinions what he said and and then Presti comes out today and says you know the time has really helped him from a health point he's doing very well He's in a much better place than he was on March 11th, but they still kind of have to cross that bridge and, and see how he looks when they get out to Orlando. So what do you think about Presti's quote on Andre Robertson, and how do you think he comes back if he does, and how does that affect the value of Lou Dort on the court? Man, I don't know. Like, I don't know. We You just said it. We heard this shit, like, back in October. You know, I'm full go. I'm ready. You know, Presti said we're going to try to get him some some preseason run and see how he's doing. And we got our hopes up then. And then he, like, never freaking played and left and went out to California. Now, Presti did say today that Dre's been in Oklahoma City. He's been working out. I think probably he's been in the facility. He's been doing his stuff. He's been getting up shots. He's been running. He's been working out. But they haven't done any, like, actual practices yet. He hasn't been in contact. And so I bet they're waiting to see how he looks like in contact, the optimist in me says, you know, oh, there's a chance Dre's going to come back and he's going to play and it's going to be really interesting. But the pessimist in me says, you've touched this stove and got burnt too many times. I'm to the point now where I'm not going to believe Dre is going to play NBA basketball minutes 
until he's actually on the court down in Orlando when the game is going on um, and and the whistle blows and the clock starts ticking. Like him being in a practice or something, yeah, that's a step in the right direction, but I'm not going to believe he's going to play until I actually see him logging minutes. So if you had to put all the money in your bank account right now on whether Dre plays another game in an Oklahoma City uniform, so... Even if he gets re-signed in Oklahoma City, just just what's your bet on whether he actually plays another game in a Thunder uh, uniform? I have no clue. Number one, I teach public education, so there is no money in my bank account. Number two, if I had to bet all of it, God, conventional wisdom tells you to say no. So I don't know why I want to say yes, but I want to say yes, he will log minutes in a Thunder uniform again. So this is getting definitely off the rails. Um, regardless of whether he plays or not, this free agency, this uh, I guess it won't be this summer, it'll be this uh, this fall. Is there a market for him? Is, is any other team likely to pick him up? Or do you think Oklahoma City is the only team that would even sign him to a minimum at this point? I think if he comes back and practices and gets some games in in Orlando, uh, there will be multiple teams that would be interested in giving him a vet minimum. Like, because the vet minimum is nothing, you know, like you, you can teams throw out money all the time. I know this is a weak draft class. I know there's not a whole lot of money, especially with the salary cap going down this again, fall because of the, the lack of revenue. But I would imagine somebody, even if it's like a one year flyer, somebody's going to take a risk on it and, and throw him a vet minimum contract because the vet minimum, like it. It's just so small, and there's so many rules to like really like influence teams to sign players to those vet minimum deals. Like even if you're over the cap, you can sign a player to a vet minimum deal. Um, it's only a small percentage of the cap instead of like a flat number. So if the cap goes down, you're actually paying less for that player. So I think he will end up getting a contract this summer. It might be a one-year vet min deal, but I think he will get something. Yeah, no, I think if it if it happens outside of Oklahoma City, it'll be a contender. I could see, you know, the Lakers are somebody who are going to be strapped for cash that, that need to sign a guy to a one-year vet minimum. Dre yeah, I think could that's be fair. a guy. Um, taking a step back, though. God, he's going to end up on Golden State, isn't he? Oh, stop it, stop it. The team that originally drafted him. <laughs> Going back to, you know, the bubble, so the, this season – how good do you think he can be if he does come back and what impact could he make? See, that's the interesting question here is like, does Dre come back 75% of old Dre? Cause 75% of old, old Dre, I don't know if that's an NBA player, right? So I was actually thinking about this before you asked that question, Nick, let me kind of flip this back, play a reverse card on you and throw it back your way. You have, let's say you had two options for Dre uh, coming back to Orlando, we find out he is going to play. Which would you rather prefer? Dre comes back basically the same offensive player he was, but only like 90% of the defensive player he was. So he's the same player, just he's 90% on defense instead of 100, and then he's still 100% of the offensive player he was. Or he could come back at like, 75% of the defender that he used to be, but he's going to shoot 38% from three and take like two or three attempts a game. Ooh, man. Which which would you rather have? You are putting me on the spot here. That's tough. Um, Man, I think I would take the higher upside offensive Dre. Just with this team... With Lou Dort being the defender he is, with a guy like Hamadou Diallo who really needs some work on his jump shot and, and I think is not going to be a huge factor in the playoffs and, and we're going to need some of that three-point shooting, I think you take a Dre that shoots 38% from deep and think about 75% defensive Dre is still a pretty solid defender. He's not going to be the elite guy that can... I think it's about league average, right? 75% yeah. would be league average. So he would be he'd be a uh, he'd be a solid player at that point. And if you bring back ninety percent defensively and and the offensive player he was before the slasher that he was, not really a a great three point shooter unless he's wide open. I think I take the offensive Dre. 
Interesting. See, so I'm I'm going to argue the opposite opinion then real quick. And the reason I think maybe getting the 95% defensive Dre, you and I would both agree that the one place where this Thunder team is weak is the wing, right? They're playing Hamadou Diallo, Terrence Ferguson, and Abdul Nader, uh, lots of minutes at the wing. And they've been holding up their end of the bargain, but playing those three is not conducive to winning playoff games at all. And so the Thunder need a big wing he can, who can come in and defend the the Harrison Barnes, the the Paul Georges, the the Luka Doncic um, players like that. And and so I think what the this Thunder team is really missing is a guy like Andre Robertson. The Thunder have a lot of good offensive players. And my worry is if Dre comes back and shoots 38% from three, I still don't think teams will guard him. And so, yes, he's getting you three to four points a game from the three-point line, but it's still just absolutely killing your spacing because players aren't going to step out to him. And the way that this team can pass the ball, especially with the three-guard lineup, I wonder if having a guy that can play your like pseudo four who can baseline cut, who can pick and roll, who can get aggressive on the offensive glass. I almost wonder if offensively that's a better fit for this current makeup of this team. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I, I definitely don't disagree. I think either either of those scenarios, if Dre comes back like that, would be ideal. Although I don't think he'll come back as either a 90% defender that he was or as a 38% three-point shooter. But just to kick a question back your way, that second scenario that I originally picked where Dre was the the 38% three-point shooter and then not kind of league average defensively, how different is that player to a guy like Nader who shoots almost 46% from deep and is probably a league average defender? I think Dre would still be a better defender and probably has more length. Um, but yeah, no, I see where you're going with that. Definitely. Um, I, I would, God, I don't know. I think a, a Dre that shoots like that and defends like that is like last year's Ferguson. A Don't you miss that? Of la- a big, little bit bigger of last year's Ferguson. Is that fair? Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I, I'm i almost more optimistic that we get last year's Ferg than we do either scenario of Dre that you mentioned. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. But again, I just think another body there is important. If, if Dre can come in and be the irritant defensively that he has been in the past... That is a massive boost to this team going down to Orlando. Like, it is a massive boost. Besides Portland, would that be the biggest addition for any team going from March 11th to now? (laughs) I was just going to ask the same question. You you talk about a team that is already or was already playing really, really well and on a really hot streak, and you're going into a place like Orlando where obviously the trade deadline has passed. Um there's probably not a better addition than than Robertson outside of the the Portland situation you mentioned that a team could just naturally get better with with the avail- the availability they have to do so. And then to extrapolate on that even more, I I have no clue about this. This is just me speculating, but to me, Dre a lot of the times at the free throw line, at the three point line, just offensively in general, um, it's not only that he's not that great as an NBA player on offense, but it's kind of like sometimes he's a little bit hesitant and he gets into his own head. I wonder if playing in a gym with no fans, like, so an example, and this example doesn't mean shit because I'm nowhere near the basketball player Andre Robertson is, but Nick, have you ever had that situation where like you're out playing like an intramural game or a pickup game? There's a whole lot of people playing and you're kind of, you're scared of doing something dumb and looking stupid to the guys on the sideline watching the game. 100%. Dre does that with 18,000 people plus how many million eyeballs on the television. Yeah. and and I I wonder if getting those 18,000 people out and it just being like your team, their team, almost like an AAU setting, I wonder if that relaxes some of those anxieties and he's a little more confident offensively. We've talked about this for months if not years that we think 
a big part of him not coming back is that mental block. I think that's a I hadn't considered that point. That's a great point. Maybe this is the 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 mental roadblock he's had. Maybe this is the way to get over it. Hey, maybe it's the same thing with Terrence Ferguson too. He's had three months to kind of take care of the things in his life. Again, so I watched, I, I did a little Twitter thread on Saturday. I watched the Thunder versus Denver Nuggets game from late February. Uh, I think it was the first game back from the All-Star break. Where they kicked the shit out of him. Yeah. And watching it, like, I had a b- little bit different of a perspective on Ferguson. Yes, he looked like he was too scared to, to shoot the basketball. He's like, he doesn't want the ball in his hands at all. And to me, it was almost like he was overthinking the game. Like, he catches a pass in the corner at the three-point line, and he swings it up top, and it gets it back into coverage where his man was closing out hard, and he could have taken two dribbles and got by him for a dunk. And I was just watching that game. I was thinking, man, number one, Ferg seems timid offensively. But number two, it just seems like he's got too much galaxy brain going on here. He's, like, overthinking the game too much. I wonder if being in Orlando and not being around fans – would maybe be good for Ferguson as well. Absolutely. I, I That's another great point. There, It's going to be that. I mean, we, we're talking about these two examples for the Thunder. I'm sure there's countless other cases around the league for teams that we don't necessarily analyze as deep and, and don't know the, the personal things going on with some of these guys. But that's a... It's another great point. You've got the the rust factor, the factor that you know teams that were hot aren't going to be able to carry that momentum, perhaps, or teams that needed this break are going to look better after it. You've also got all these personal and you know mental things that are going on. There's a lot of teams that could look very different. Yeah, it's fascinating. So, last question before we move on, Nick: If Andre Robertson does come back to play for the Thunder, he during the eight seeding games, let's say he averages twenty minutes a game. And by the end of those eight seeding games, he starts to look like shades of old Dre. Shades of uh, the games right before he went down with the patellar tendon injury of old Dre. Like, elite defensively, can finish a play on a backdoor cut, can set screens, that kind of player. How much does he raise the Thunder ceiling? Does he help them win a a series that they wouldn't win otherwise? Does he just uh, just raise their ceiling a little bit? What do you think? I think, so first off, I don't think based on any way the roster could be constructed, Oklahoma City will advance any further than out of the first round. You know, regardless, you're going to be playing a team like the Lakers or the Clippers most likely in the second round. That being said, I do think he could raise the ceiling to get you out of a first-round matchup that you may not have without him. But other than that, I don't think it's it's that much of a factor. And, and eight games I, just isn't enough for a guy to get back in that swing where I think he gets to that point, even in the hypothetical. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail exactly on the head there. There's some first-round matchups that I worry for the Thunder about. But if you have a healthy Dre who's kind of back to his old self, I think those matchups became a lot more winnable, like Houston, for example, or maybe like Denver, for example. Those two series in the first round, a Denver OKC or a Houston OKC, would worry me a bit for the Thunder. But with Dre, I think he raises their chances of making it past those series. But yeah, I don't care if he's Defensive Player of the Year, Dre. He's not getting you past the Clippers or the Lakers. Just not no chance. No chance. All right. Well, before we move on, Nick, let's take a quick minute to tell our listeners about betonline.ag. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, BetOnline. NASCAR is back, and BetOnline has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24-7. You can also participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament, and you can even enter for free. And live right now on BetOnline's YouTube channel, you can find an exclusive interview with ex-Chicago Bulls Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary and what they're calling the final dance. Visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE 
to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. Bet online, your online wagering solution. So Nick, one topic that Justin and I touched on on Friday about the league's return to play plan was the idea that the Thunder have an opportunity, albeit maybe it's a low opportunity because of how uh, I think favorable the Thunder schedule is, of getting their own first round pick back. So I figured we could talk about this a little bit. The Thunder right now only have one pick in the 2020 first round. And that is the pick that they got from Denver for the Jeremy Grant trade. That pick is currently slated as the 45th, or 45th, Jesus Christ, 25th pick in the draft. Uh, Denver is ahead of Utah by two games, ahead of Miami by two games. So if those two teams were to jump Denver, that pick would become pick 23. Um, but the Thunder's own pick is going to Philadelphia right now because it is tied at number 21 with the record of 40 and 24. Now, if the Thunder were to slip back to 20 or lower, they would keep their own first round pick. They are only uh, one and a half games ahead of the 20th best record in the league. Uh, and then like two games ahead of the 19th, uh, like three games ahead of the 18th. So if the Thunder came down to Orlando and struggled, there's a chance that they will end up getting their own first round pick back and getting pick. 18, 19, 20 in the draft. Uh, I guess first question, do you think that factors into the Thunder's thinking at all during this return to play? Definitely not. I think, you know, first of all, the 20th pick historically has, has not been a guy that's a franchise-altering player, although it can be. It hasn't been a franchise-altering type player considering they have another pick at 25 kind of projected right now. Um, those guys you get at 20 versus 25 are fairly similar. You know, having both of those picks and having the ability to trade up or take a swing at two guys and hope that one of the two kind of pans out to be a, a guy you can use for many years going forward would be nice. But I don't think that affects the way you look at um, how you approach these eight final regular season games because there's a lot of movement that can happen. Um, Right now, they would face Utah, you know, in a bubble with no home court advantage at a 4-5 matchup. But if you slip too much, it's very, very, very possible they could slip down to the 7 seed. You're playing a team like the Clippers. Even if you only move down one spot to the 6 seed, you're looking at a team like Denver. Um, those are just matchups that are leaps and bounds above playing a team like the Jazz. Or um, if you move up, you could play a team like the Mavericks. There's just too many... Um, I guess the risk reward isn't there to go try to get that number 20 pick in the upcoming draft. If it happens, great. You're probably going to be bouncing the first round by the way things would fall. And I just don't think the risk reward is there, but I don't think that affects their point of view, especially considering this team was projected 32 and a half wins, not going to make the playoffs, tank the season, trade the whole team. This front office, and we talked about it earlier with Presti, like these guys don't have that losing culture bone in their body. They they want to move forward. They want to win games. There's there's nothing about those guys that are even thinking about, you know, maybe we struggle a little bit and get that 20th pick. That's not even crossing their brain, I don't think. Yeah. No, I would agree with you. But if the Thunder do go down and struggle, it's at least a nice consolation. Right? Oh, for you, sure. You at, least, for sure. You at least get your pick back. Now, what gets interesting to me is let's say – that the Thunder do slip down a little bit and end up with like pick 19. And let's say Denver slips a little bit and somebody like Houston surges and that Denver pick now becomes the 23rd pick for the Thunder. I wonder if if 19 and 23 could get you like pick 15. And then if 15 and, and two future firsts can get you to, to six or something, you know, like I don't know what Presti's going to do. I don't know what his plans are. But it's just we've seen so many times with this team. I mean, we, you and I could go back and talk about multiple instances where there's this, uh, th there's this domino effect where one thing affects the next thing, which leads to uh, something crazy happening, right? Serge Ibaka ended up being Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Danilo Gallinari, and 50 million picks. So I, I just the, the domino effect theory of 
the Thunder possibly getting their pick back, trading it, moving up to to get a bigger pick, to move up again, to get something else. It's just fascinating to me. Yeah, it's 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 a win-win. I mean, you struggle in the final eight games of the regular season. You get your pick back. That's a win. You play well and kind of hold that four or five seed or move up to the three, you know, that's a that's another win. So I think that Oklahoma City is in a great boat going into this um, bubble to finish out the regular season. To kind of combat what you asked, I'll, I'll ask you a question real quick. Would you rather, and, and there's so many different hypotheticals and teams you could play, but let's just say you have two options, getting bounced in the first round and retaining your pick or winning in the first round and then losing in the second but losing your pick, which scenario do you prefer, you know, both thinking short-term as as someone that wants the Thunder to do well and also thinking long-term about how this could affect with that domino theory you were talking about? That's a good question. I, I almost think I would prefer them to lose in the first round, like six or seven games, and then keep their pick at like pick 18 or 19. Right, because you make it to the second round, awesome, and then you get swept by the by the Lakers, right? And and so, uh, it, it it didn't really do a whole lot for you. Now, I do think it would be special for this team to win a playoff series. I think it would be exciting. I think it would be fun. I think it would rally a lot of people. I think if they won a first round series and went on and played the Lakers and lost in five, there would be a ton of Thunder fans saying, "Resign Danilo Gallinari." give Chris Paul an extension, do this, do that, you know, like going crazy thinking like this is the team they need to have to move forward. But I think for the long term, I mean, we know this team's going to build through the draft, right? We know they're not going out and trading for a super big name star. This team has always been designed to build around the draft. And so getting another bite at the apple is, is interesting. Now, with all that being said, Nick, again, the Thunder uh, get Denver's, first round pick as long as it's not in the lottery. Denver's not dropping to the lottery. So what if Denver comes back, even though Jokic apparently has abs now and, and is like as skinny as you and I are, um, not saying that you and I are skinny, just saying if we weighed the same weight and we were like seven feet tall, we'd be considered skinny. Apparently Jokic has lost a lot of weight. But what happens if Denver just can't find their groove and they slip like two or three spots and that pick becomes pick number 22? Right, that can be impactful. Um, Boston right now controls Memphis's pick. So what if Memphis falls out of the playoffs and gets bounced and bought and then somehow like wins the draft lottery? I think that pick's protected. But like, what happens if Boston ends up getting like a a pick number eleven in this draft or something? You know, like there are so many interesting little wrinkles as far as those traded draft picks go for a lot of teams. That those eight games, it, we're, we're taking the end, the last 20 games of the season, and condensing it down into eight. And so it's so impactful in such a small amount of time. Yeah, and on the topic of dominoes, here's a, another couple directions those dominoes could fall. How do you think... So let's assume the Thunder get out of the first round, right? You, you've got to think that guys like Chris Paul and Danilo Gallinari had great series t- to do that. Does getting out of the first round and those guys having great series and doing so affect their, whether it be sign and trade or just straight up trade value this summer versus, oh, this Thunder team got beaten five games in the first round. So, so what's keeping that in mind, does that sway your decision on getting pick 20 versus having these guys show out in the playoffs and maybe a trade gets executed based on that performance? Yeah, I mean, I think that definitely plays a role because if you're a GM of another team, you're not just saying, oh, how did this player play in eight games after a three-month layoff? You know, like that's not how you're going to evaluate a player for a trade. But you're going to think a lot more positively about that player if they play good in those eight games than if they shit the bed in those eight games. Right. And so uh, I do think that will definitely ha- play a factor. I do think it will definitely play a role in this. And, you know, may- maybe it- it's so hard to say because it's things that you don't know. Right. Let's say the Thunder lose in the first round, get pick number 18 because they keep their own pick. Um, but then it kind of lowers the value of a Gallo sign and trade. 
but we don't know maybe if the Thunder win the first round and Gallo comes back and he's a little bit skinnier now and, and more lean and he balls out and a team like uh, the Knicks are willing to give up a, a Kevin Knox or a Frank Nilakina in a sign-and-trade for Gallinari where before they were just going to give you like two seconds or something. You know, that would make a massive difference. And so I don't envy being Sam Presti and having to think of all of these different directions, all these different dominoes, all these different contingencies. It would drive you freaking crazy. But what I do know is this team is not going to come back with the intention of losing to better their their draft position right now. They're, they're invested in this team. And number two, I know that I trust this front office to make good things happen regardless of what the outcome of this season is. And in these conversations we're having right now with all these different dominoes, you and I both know that Presti doesn't even think about these scenarios. He wants to go out there, compete, play high-level basketball, and then whatever happens, happens. He adjusts and, and kind of rolls with the punches. Definitely. I also wonder if Sam Presti has like a crazy conspiracy board in his office with red yarn and and tape and and different scenarios all mapped out all over the office like a crazy person not in his office but you know he's got those in his head yeah (laughs) i think i maybe would rather have them in the office than in my head (laughs) i don't know i bet his like his spare room at his house has a drum set and then just a whole bunch of crazy shit just on all the different directions things could go so all right well nick let's move on finish up the podcast we decided that we are going to play a game of take it or leave it typically i come up with all the take it or leave it phrases and then i ask you and the other co-hosts but since just you and i we'll just go back and forth asking each other take it or leave it questions so this game is super simple you just give me a phrase and then i tell you if i'm going to take it or if I'm going to leave it, and then we'll debate. And then in return, I will give you a phrase about the, the rest of the season. And uh, and then you either take it thinking it will happen, or you leave it thinking it won't happen. Let's so, do it. Do you want to go first, or you want me to go first? I'll go first. I'll ask right. you a, a quick take it or leave it. I'm ready. First one I've got for you. The eight regular season games will have an impact on the MVP race. Ooh, that's a good one. It shouldn't, but I'm going to take it because since we've been so starved for basketball, I think, again, that these eight games are going to be so much more pronounced than anything in the regular season. It's almost like it's a new season. And so I think some of those things from back in the regular season, the the dominance of Giannis, the, uh, but both for MVP and Defensive Player of the Year, um, LeBron James kind of catching up uh, over that, that last week or so. Giannis being hurt and LeBron having a chance to even close the gap even more. I think a lot of those things might start to become less important because people are going to be more looking at the here and now. So I'll take that. I don't know how much of an impact, but I do think it will have an impact. Yeah, and especially in this era, the recency bias is so, yeah. so real. But but then the, on the flip side of that... I don't think LeBron or Giannis will play near as many minutes considering in both respective conferences. they. I think the Bucks for sure have secured the one. The Lakers are five and a half or so up. It would take a lot for them to slip out of that. So I guess l- let me break the rules of the game here and ask you a second take it or leave it. Um, kind of on that same note, Giannis and LeBron or basically one of the other of those guys will play 10 less minutes per game over the course of these last eight regular season games than they did all year, which would put Giannis at about 21 minutes per game and LeBron at about 25 minutes per game. I think it's more likely... You're asking which one's more likely to play less minutes? No, I'm saying, do you think one of those two will play 10 less minutes per game in these final eight than they did in the regular season? On average, yes. And and here's my thought. A lot of times we talk about players resting at the end of the season. I think this situation is different. I think there's a chance that LeBron plays game one of, of eight at like... 
20 minutes a game and then game two of eight at 20 minutes a game and then game three at like 25 whereas by the time they get to game eight I bet he'll have worked up to like 35 36 minutes a game to get his like kind of get his body used to the grind right before they hit the playoffs um but yeah I bet I bet it's a weird conundrum because you've had so much layoff like do you really need the rest it almost seems like it'd be more beneficial to play more minutes to get yourself back in a groove. But since those two teams are so far ahead, I bet they rest. So I bet at least one of them plays 10 minutes a game less. Yeah, see, I, I'm along the same lines as you on building up, but I think it'll be more of a pyramid. I think game one, two, three, LeBron plays 20, 23 minutes. Game four, five, six, he might play closer to 30 minutes. And then the last couple, because at that point they'll be clenched more than likely, he goes back down to that 20-minute kind of load management style. I could definitely see that. All right, my turn. Nick, take it or leave it. A non-Memphis, New Orleans, Portland team makes the eighth seed in the West. Say that again. Memphis, Memphis, New Orleans, Portland. All three teams, all three of those teams, do not make the eighth seed in the West. I'm gonna leave it, and that was actually one of the ones I was gonna ask you. Um, okay, I think that definitely one of those three teams make it, and the main reason I'm leaving it is because I think the Grizzlies hold their ground. They're young; they don't have that, you know, kind of down to the wire experience. It's not necessarily playoff experience, but this is gonna feel really similar going down the stretch, kind of winning these games to to make it in. I think with the addition of Justice Winslow and the way that John Morant's been playing, I think they are going to hold their own, take take hold of that eight seed for good. And if they didn't for some reason, I think either Portland or New Orleans would be the one taking it. So I'm 100% leaving that one. Okay, nice. I like it. Um, you know, if one of those three didn't make it, you're looking at San Antonio, Sacramento, Phoenix, or a possible slide down of Dallas. See, and I don't think see that happening either. Yeah. But how much fun and how great would the ratings be for a Luka versus LeBron first round? Oh, or even a Zion versus LeBron yeah. first round. Yeah. That'd be awesome. I, I think I think the league is is rooting for that scenario. I would definitely agree. All right, what's your next one? All right. So, my next one, take it or leave it. Dennis Schroeder will win sixth man of the year this season. Oh, man. He deserves it for sure. But I forget who posted it. Somebody posted an anonymous poll of like front office people that had um, Montrez Harrell winning it and Schroeder getting like third or fourth place. I saw that as well. That worries me. I, I don't know why that would be. And, and I guess... A follow-up to that question, kind of in the same light of, of the MVP, do you think these last eight games are going to be the eight games that decide the sixth man of the year? I'm going to take it on Schroeder win sixth man of the year. I'm going to take it. I'm going to wow. say, again, the eight games will play a bit of a factor. It, it won't play a huge factor, but I think it'll play a little bit. I'm going to take it. Screw it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bold mood tonight. I like it. I'm just going to take it. All right, next one for you. And and we've kind of already touched on this. Andre Robert on bleh, Andre Robertson will earn himself a new NBA contract after the seeding games and playoffs. Oh. I'm going to take it for for a lot of the reasons you talked about earlier. There's going to be teams that'll take him on a a vet minimum. Do I think that He's going to be an impactful NBA player going forward. I still don't think so. I'm not sold on it. It's been over 850 days since the injury. Um, but I do, I, I'll take it for sure. Somebody will sign him this offseason and he will have an NBA contract. Don't think it'll be a long one. It might be a one year or a, a one year with a team option, but I do think he will get a contract without a doubt. All right, I'm into it. All right, my next one for you. I'm going to stick with the Thunder theme here. Take it or leave it. Steven Adams will average a double-double in the playoffs. Oh, man. That's a fun one. I think Steven 
one underrated thing about all of this is we've seen Adams at the end of the seasons, the past few seasons, really start to fall off. And I don't know if it's just exhaustion, injury, whatever, but he seems to really fall off like in the playoffs and at the end of the season. So I bet this break has been really good for him. This season, he averaged 11 points and nine and a half rebounds. You know what? I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it because not because I don't think Steven is capable. You almost hyped yourself up to take it. I, Dude, I was working on it. I, <laughs> I was working on it. I'm going to say the reason he doesn't is because Nerlens is going to play so well that they're going to split a lot of minutes still, even in the playoffs. Yeah, no, I, I could definitely see that. And for what it's worth, I would 100% leave it. You know, you make great points, and you almost convinced me while you were trying to convince yourself. But he, he just is a guy that I think for the Thunder to have success in the playoffs, it's going to be those three-point guards. It's it's not If Steven Adams averages a double-double in the playoffs, I don't necessarily think it's a good thing because that, that might mean on the, on the points front, they're going away from what they're good at. I could see that. And yeah, I just think that that Nerlens will be good enough that they won't have to play Steve forty minutes a night, and he won't have to get those those stats. And as you and I both know, Stephen Adams just doesn't give a shit about stats, anyways. So, um, all right, let's keep the Thunder theme going, Nick. Terrence Ferguson plays well enough to win Thunder fans over by the time we're done in Orlando. I'm going to leave it. Um, Andre Robertson comes back. I think that hurts the chances. I think that Lou Dort is a guy that Thunder fans have already fallen in love with and they've kind of forgot about Terrence Ferguson. You know, we talked about the mental block he might have and how sitting out for three months might be good for him and not playing in front of all these fans could be good for him. But I don't know. He's so hit and miss. I'm almost more... I just I just see him being more miss than hit, just yeah. based on his track record. That's fair. I mean, you have to kind of go on previous experience, and <laughs> the previous experience leads us very much down one road with him. So, on the topic of Terrence Ferguson, do you? So, would you rather him? Kind of back to the Dre question in a way. Would you rather see him win Thunder fans back over through? being a good three-point shooter, shooting into the high clip and not being scared to take shots? Or would you rather him win Thunder fans over by being the elite perimeter defender that we think he might be one day? Oh, A, and it's nowhere close. <laughs> it's funny how that, that answer can, can vary from one player to another. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. But yeah, it's definitely A. He's got to shoot the effing ball. Fair enough. Maybe that. Maybe he misses Russell Westbrook just yelling at him to shoot the effing ball. No joke. The, All right, what's, what, what's your next one? This this is my last one because I went out of turn a couple times and, and went back to back. But my okay, last okay. Well, let, let, let me go next thing because I have two. Yeah, shoot. And since you went out of ten out of turn, I'll give you one. Then you give me one. Then I'll give you one. Then we'll be done. Let's do it. Uh, so my next one is going to be league wide. The league will implement something to give teams who had home court advantage a leg up. Now we had that article on ESPN with all those batshit crazy ideas that I, I'm totally in on. But the league will implement something to give the teams that had home court an advantage down in Orlando. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. I, I don't know if they'll be as crazy as some of those things we saw in the article. But I think the league will get creative in some way to give the team that should have had home court advantage some kind of advantage. They're, they're, I think they're going to do everything they can to not put the asterisks on the winner of these series and the winner of the season, yada, yada, yada. So doing something, whether it's as small as, hey, do you want the ball in the first and fourth quarter or the second and third? Without doing a tip-off, you could just give the, the quote-unquote home team their choice on that. Even something as small as that, I think, will happen, although that won't make a huge impact on the game. There will still be something to make it feel like it's home court. All right. I like it. All right. What's your last one, Nick? My last one, take it or leave it, either the Lakers or the Bucks will not be in the NBA Finals. Hmm. I'm going to leave it. 
So you think the finals is going to be Lakers Bucks? I'm taking it. I'm taking. I'm taking that. I'm leaving that one of the two will not be. One of the two will not make it. I'm leaving that out there. Now, I was just thinking on a future podcast we should do like our dark horse. Who will win if if the Lakers and the Bucks both don't win the title this year? Who's like your third team? Your dark horse. I think that's a fun conversation that we'll maybe have to get a little more in depth on maybe next week. But I, I think it's going to be those two in the finals. I, I'm riding out with those two. They just, again, we don't know what the return's going to look like. Everyone's been off for so long. But those two are just head and shoulders the best teams in the league. Yeah, I, I, I think you're spot on there. I want to know, and I don't want you to go too in-depth on this, what is your, if, if you had to put one X factor on why the Lakers would beat the Clippers in the Western Conference Finals, why do you have the Lakers advancing? LeBron James. Fair enough. That's a simple explanation. He's the best player in the world, man. I Kawhi's freaking good. Uh, we'll see if PG can keep his shoulders on during the playoffs. The Clippers have tons of depth. But at the end of the day, having a, the guy that might arguably be the best guy to ever play basketball in the history of the world, that's a pretty hefty advantage. And he's rested. Yeah, he's he's ready to go. He also didn't he grow out a beard? Yeah, he looks crazy. He's got he a huge, like, huge beard, and he's ripped up. It looks like he's leaned out. They're not drug testing down in Orlando, Nick. Oh my! Dude is going to be yoked. Yup. All right, my last one. Over the course of this season, Shea Gilgis Alexander has averaged essentially nineteen point six rebounds and three assists a game. While in Orlando, he will improve on two of those three. I'm going to leave it. The okay. only reason I'm going to leave it is because I think when you get into the playoffs, the game changes so much, and I think that guys like Chris Paul and Danilo Gallinari being vets, although they've let him be the lead dog all year when it comes to scoring specifically, they've let him be the guy that takes the most attempts, and averages the most points. I don't know if that continues to happen in the playoffs. Uh, I know that last year, Shea Gilgis-Alexander had better stats in the playoffs in the regular season. That's, I think that was kind of a, a fluke thing just because of the, the situation the Clippers were in and they were playing the Warriors and all that good stuff. But I just don't see the style of play in which Shea is the number one guy on offense being sustainable, and I think Billy Donovan knows that. Now, two years from now, that could definitely be a different story. But right now, I think you've got to have someone else be the alpha dog on offense. All right. So then follow up of those three, the 19 points, the six rebounds, the three assists, which one is he most likely to raise those numbers while in Orlando? Eight, eight seating games and playoffs included. Assist because of that same reason. I mean, if he's not shooting the ball as much and and someone else is scoring, I think that and it's still going to be tough with three point guards, which is why I wanted to shy away from that one initially. I think that if he's not scoring as much of a high clip, I think he still might average 17 a game on three or four less shots. It might be more efficient offensively, but I think because that's happening and other guys are scoring those points, that Shea will increase those assist numbers that have not been where we want them to be all year. Fair enough. I like it. What about you? Nineteen six and three is freaking good too, dude. It like is. That's, that's impressive. Um, I think, I think I'm with you on that. He can raise the assists. I think the rebounds might go down, and I I would expect the points to probably stay about even. Uh, six rebounds for a point guard is a lot. I mean, I say that Russell Westbrook played in Oklahoma City for how many years? So six rebounds for a point guard almost feels like a low number. Um, but I mean, we were talking about Adams. We were talking about Nerlens. Darius Baisley is going to come back. If Andre Robertson comes back, just, just less opportunities for him to get rebounds. They probably want him sprinting down the court more, trying to leak out and get easy buckets. So I could see the rebounds going up, but I could definitely see the, the rebounds going down. I'm sorry, but I could definitely see the assists going up. So totally off topic, but one thing I've been thinking about, and it's got me super excited All season long, the Thunder, for the first time in a long time, have not been nationally televised. 
And I think that the the general NBA fan kind of understands that SGA has been great this year based on the stats and all that kind of stuff. But I'm so pumped for the rest of the world to get to watch this guy. Yeah, same. It's going to be fun, except the rest of the world's going to watch him and then we're going to get a whole bunch of uh, blog boy think pieces on how they can trade for Shea Gilgis Alexander. No kidding. Well, let it, let it happen. We, we have not had a guy that's in his early 20s that's that's a future superstar in a long time that teams want it's always been at least for the past five or six years it's been a, a vet guy like a kd or a pg or russ so let him yep. let him blog about it yeah let him blog about it but we've got those restricted free agency rights buddy yep so all right nick let's uh let's get out of here we've gone for over an hour now hey just to remind our listeners starting this wednesday and leading all the way up until the return to play Uncontested is launching the Under the Bubble podcast series. We're going to have three guests every Wednesday talking about different teams, getting you all caught up with each of the 22 NBA franchises that are returning to play in Orlando. So make sure you are subscribed wherever you get your podcast. That way you can get those automatically downloaded every Wednesday morning and get all caught up with the league before we get back to games. This is your first time listening to The Uncontested. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed what you heard. If you did, go drop a five-star rating on iTunes. It mean a lot to us. It only takes you about 20 seconds, but it helps our ratings uh, and it helps our podcast be seen. It's just a good token of appreciation as well. If you're a long-time listener, we appreciate the hell out of you. Thank you so much. You guys, continue to be safe. Make your voices heard, but also wash your hands. We don't want COVID to spread. We also uh, want racism to end. Let's kill racism and COVID in 2020. They had us in the first half, not going to lie. But the second half, it's all us, man. We'll be back with you again Wednesday for the Under the Bubble series and then Friday with a normal podcast. You guys have a great beginning of your week. Stay cool out there. We'll talk to you soon. Thunder up. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.